Please keep your Bibles open as we walk through this passage together. Christ is risen from the dead. And pause for just a moment and ask for the Lord to help us today. Father, as we approach this beautiful, sacred, joyful passage, we pray, God, that whatever our need may be today, and we have many, we have many needs. We have spiritual needs and hidden needs and recognized needs felt needs and real needs and whatever they may be there is nothing there is nowhere we are there is nothing we are facing there is nothing that we are going through that the gospel is not sufficient that the hope that we have in Christ and who he is is not able And so, Father, we ask as we, like these women, peer into this empty tomb today, that that emptiness would fill us with the hope and the joy and the faith that we need to not only believe in Christ with all of our heart, to love him with all of our heart, rejoice in him with all of our heart, but to give ourselves to him in such a surrender and and abandoned that, Father, our lives would be made new as if we have been resurrected. So, Lord, We can't make ourselves whole. We can't make ourselves new. We can't make ourselves right. That's a work that only you can do. But based upon our text today, you have the power and the will to do it. So we submit ourselves to you, and we ask God for your perfect will to be accomplished in our lives today. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Christ is risen from the dead. The centerpiece of Scripture, without a doubt, is the death of Christ. That's the centerpiece of history, of eternity, of salvation. Jesus Christ dying on our behalf to rescue us from our sin. Everything before we come to the Gospels, I I don't know how you uh, spend time uh, with the Lord on on a regular basis. I usually just read through the Bible every year, and it just so happens that this past week I finished the Old Testament, so now, tomorrow, I jump into the New Testament. And everything before we reach the four Gospels of the New Testament, everything is leading up to this, the death of Christ. The answer, God's solution to man's greatest problem, which is himself, his sin. And everything after the Gospels is looking back to it, 
It's the centerpiece. If the glory of God revealed in Scripture were, were, were measured with light, exposed with a radiance, when we turn the page in the Gospels to the death of Christ, the, the brilliant radiance of God would be blinding. That's what it's about. That's where it's at. Everything we hold dear in the faith, everything that we hope for in our faith rests on the cross of Christ. But that's not where the story ends, is it? The story, if the story of Jesus ends with his death, then his story is no different than Muhammad's story, Buddha's story, Joseph Smith's story, any other religious figure you can think of throughout history. If the story of Jesus ended with his death, there would always be the question looming in our hearts, hanging over our heads, what if it's not true? What if he's not who he said he was? What if he's not the Savior? What if the Pharisees' claim in our very text is accurate? He's just an imposter. The reason we know with absolute certainty and unshakable assurance without a sliver of doubt that Jesus is the Messiah and that life and salvation are found in him and only in him is because Christ is risen from the dead. The resurrection is the gospel's verification. Let me say that again. The resurrection is the gospel's verification. It's not a fairy tale. It's historical fact. And as we come to this marvelous, really explosive passage, let's see how these events unfold. First of all, there's there's a final attempt to deny the Lord. And we see this in the last few verses of chapter 27. The chief priests and the Pharisees, they, they were not convinced by the post-death events that, sur- that surrounded the city when Jesus breathed his last. They, they were not con- uh, convinced by those events, as were the centurion and the guards. You remember them. You see, if you, if you are determined to not believe, then you won't. No matter how clear and how undeniable the evidence that you may be surrounded with, we're, which, which goes to remind us we're not saved by evidence, we're saved by grace. It's the only way we're saved. We don't get ourselves there, God gets us there. We're saved by grace. So their scheming continues, doesn't it? In their unbelieving minds, the the only way it could be possible for there to be some kind of belief that Jesus has has risen again, the the only way that can possibly possibly be is it's got to be some kind of sham. 
It's got to be some kind of trick. It's got to be some kind of cover-up or deception. So, so in order to prevent the disciples from pulling off the greatest deception in all of history, they plot to make the grave inescapable. As long as the body of Jesus remains in the tomb, the message of Jesus is forever silenced. If they can keep the body in the tomb, they can stop the spread of this imposter. So that's what they attempt to do. So Pilate said, go and make it as secure as you can. Final attempt. Do the best that you can do. So what do you do? Well, put a seal on the tomb. That is, mark it with a Roman seal. So if anyone comes near that tomb, if they come near that stone, they will see the Roman seal upon it, and they will understand if you tamper with this grave, you're going to end up in a grave. Don't touch it. So put a seal on it, and then set some guards around it. I mean, make it look terrifying. Literally prevent any tampering. Make it look so. Make it so. That should do it, right? I mean, that, that should keep the stone in place. That should keep the body of Jesus in place. That should keep any, any stories from being developed. As far as man is concerned, they, they did exactly what Pilate said. They, they did the best they could do to make the tomb as secure as they could make it. Of course, there's only one problem with this final attempt to deny the Lord. And the only problem in this scenario and in their way of thinking is, what if he really is the Lord? What if he really is God in the flesh? In that case, if Jesus really is the Son of God, there's really nothing you can do to prevent him from rising from the dead. There's nothing man can do. A stone certainly can't hold him in. He created the stone. He tells the stone what to do. A Roman seal can't keep him in because he's sovereign over every nation including Rome he moves nations around he sets up kings and takes down kings he's sovereign over all a group of soldiers can't keep him in he's he has all power he's more powerful than any group of so the point is when God decides to move man can't stop him This final attempt then was really a foolish one, wasn't it? The very thing they tried with all of their might to deny is the very thing that was revealed. That Jesus actually is the Lord. The final attempt to deny the Lord. Well, all attempts fail. We see as chapter 28 opens up... <clears throat> with a brand new chapter, and we have a, a brand new week, the vacated tomb of the Lord in verses 
1 through 7. That's our second point of the sermon, the vacated tomb of the Lord. Notice the scripture says, now after the Sabbath toward the dawn of the first day of the week. Now I know I say this a lot during our welcome and announcement time, but it's always good to see it in scripture, isn't it? The reason why we are gathered here at 10 o'clock on a Sunday morning, every Sunday morning, is because this is the first day of the week. And we gather here to mark and celebrate and renew our faith in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. The first day of the week. This is a remarkable day. This is a remarkable time. This is when the church gathers. Since since the resurrection, this, this is when the church began to gather together because this changes everything. This means everything. And so we see these events around it. First of all, a great angel from, from heaven comes to announce, right? And, and we have this great earthquake. So, so we had a great earthquake when Jesus died, when he breathed his last. Remember, there was a great earthquake. The rocks were split. And then when this angel descends from heaven to announce that Jesus has risen from the dead, he, he comes to make that announcement there's another great earthquake when, when he, literally heaven descends to earth. You see, the, these events that, that are happening, the death of Jesus and, and the resurrection of Jesus, they're so monumental that even the earth shakes and trembles. And notice then the, the, the angel descends from heaven and, and, he, and he comes and, and he, rolls, he rolls the stone. Now, now remember at when he speaks to the, the ladies, Jesus has already risen. The tomb is already empty. The angel didn't roll the stone back to let Jesus out. He rolled the stone back to let the ladies see in. That it's unoccupied. It's vacant. Jesus has already resurrected. In other words, the, the glorified body of Jesus can cross dimensions. See, again, make that tomb as secure as you can make it. Do everything you can to make sure that the body of Jesus stays in that tomb. Well, the only problem with that is if he's God. And he wakes up and just steps outside of the tomb without moving anything. Now we see how vain the Pharisees' attempts were. He just walks out. Showing how nothing, nothing can keep him from rising. And then the angel sits on the stone. I like that, don't you? The angel rolls the stone and just sits on it. That, that one great obstacle, that one great sealed sign that was to say, this tomb is occupied and it will always be occupied and the message of Jesus means nothing. The angel just rolls it away and sits on it, props his feet up on, the, on the, what was supposed to be the great obstacle, death, 
Man's greatest attempts to silence Jesus are no test at all for heaven and the will of God. He just relaxes. Verse, thir- verse 3 describes the, the, the angel of the Lord. The, his appearance was like lightning. It was blinding. It was shocking. It was brilliant. You know, a, a bolt of lightning can, can light up the darkest sky. You, when when, a, when a, a streak of lightning goes across the sky, you can see everywhere for those, that few seconds. You can, you can see everything. That's what his appearance was like, this, this brilliant, radiant light. He, he was so magnificent that even his clothes were, were white as snow. It was clear he was not from around here. He was from somewhere else. He, w- he was not of this world. The Bible tells us that sometimes, you know, we entertain angels unaware, but sometimes angels show up and you are very aware. And that was this angel that came to announce the resurrection. And if you were out during a storm and lightning strikes in front of you, it strikes fear, doesn't it? And that's what happened to these rugged, trained soldiers who were given the assignment, make sure no one tampers with this tomb. Make sure no one rolls, touches this stone. Make sure no one gets near this tomb. They were stationed there for that very purpose. So they were looking for some disciples to sneak in. What they, what they didn't expect was that an angel would show up. And they were so paralyzed with fear. They were so stricken with the sight of this being from glory, from the very presence of God with a message from heaven. They were so overwhelmed that they were literally frozen. They, they couldn't speak. They couldn't move. It appeared as if they were dead. They were so overtaken. That's what happens when, when, when heaven touches earth. And that's just one angel. And Jesus created the angels. If one angel can paralyze a a guard of soldiers, what do you think will be the reaction when we stand before the Lord himself? But then the angel speaks to the women. The the guards are paralyzed with fear. There's the women. I'm I'm sure their their mouths are open, right? Their, Their jaw is on the ground. And the angel says to the women, the first words that he says... Do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. You see, if you are a believer, if you are a follower of Christ, even though the sight of an angel, or more so, the sight of God is terrifying, we have no need to fear when we belong to Him. There's no need to fear. There's no need to fear of the things of this life. There's there's no need to fear of death. There's no need to fear of standing before the Lord when we are in the Lord. And then verse 6. Verse 6 comes those words that echo through the ages. He is not here. 
He's not here. Imagine the shock of it all. Imagine imagine just being there to see this being from glory and to hear these glorious words. He's not here. Now, he doesn't say he's not here because the disciples got here before you did and they took his body. He didn't say he's not here because you're at the wrong place. This is the wrong tomb. This is the wrong address. He said he is not here for he has risen. That's shocking. That was unexpected, even though they had been told. That's not what you usually find. That's not what you are anticipating. He has risen. And it's actually just as he said. That's what the angel says. Remember, he said this. So there was actually no power on earth or in hell that could keep him down once he said it. The will of God, the resurrection of Christ. And then here's that great invitation, isn't it? Come, see the place where he lay. Look and see for yourself. He was here. It was occupied. He lay here. He's not laying here anymore. A vacated tomb. One of the greatest sights in the history of the world is nothing. Emptiness. My dear friends, emptiness has never been so full of joy and hope and faith. An empty tomb. Jesus' tomb, once occupied, is now vacant. That means a world of faith and truth and eternal hope. That means the gospel is true. That means Jesus is God. That means salvation and new life and life eternal are actually found in him. That means he is indeed the resurrection and the life, just like he said. Emptiness has never spoken so loudly. It reverberates throughout all of history. At the cross, we looked upon his broken, bleeding, dying body on our behalf. But in the tomb, we don't see him. And that's one of the greatest sights of all. He's not there. Everything, everything that we cherish and hope upon and live for, everything that we give up, everything else to bank on and surrender to and give our lives for, everything is is focused on an empty tomb. That empty, vacated tomb is precisely why when sinners find Jesus, they abandon everything 
for him just like he abandoned that tomb for them. That vacated tomb is precisely why saints, even today, will pay the ultimate price and continue to cling to Jesus no matter what it costs, no matter the price, no matter the persecution, no matter the sacrifice, because there's an empty tomb. It means that heaven is real. It means that hell is real. It means that Christ is the only way to the Father. That's the kind of thing that will allow you to let go of everything else and simply cling to Christ. What you find in Jesus, you won't find in the world. You you won't find in money. You won't find in popularity. You won't find in sin. You won't find in another person because the tomb is empty. So what does the angel say to the women that day? Go and tell his disciples. Go and tell his disciples that he's alive, that he's risen, that he's going before you. Go to to Galilee. He's going to see you there. You see, the gospel is not just for the unsaved. The gospel is for believers. We don't come to Jesus from the message of the gospel and then move on from the gospel to other things. You never really move on from the gospel. We always go back to the gospel. We live in the gospel. We exist in the power of the gospel and the hope of the gospel. Go and tell his disciples he has risen. And so the final point of the sermon today is... The risen Lord. The risen Lord. Verse 1 tells us that these women went to see the tomb. But they ended up seeing the risen Lord. And so when the angels... When the angels say, go and, 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 and tell his disciples he's risen from the dead... They, they departed quickly. Verse 8 says they, they, they depart quickly. That makes sense. I mean, you, you see an angel. You see the greatest sight ever, the, the reckoning of the resurrection of Christ, and you're just about to explode. They had great joy, verse 8 says. That makes sense. Jesus is alive His message is true. He is the Savior. Our faith is not in vain. Christ is the victor. Death has been overcome. I mean, joy, joy, joy. That makes sense. They can't wait to tell the disciples. That's their mission, their first priority. Go and tell his disciples. They can't wait. Can you imagine being the first ones with the news that Jesus is alive and trying to keep that in and trying to get to the disciples to tell them the greatest news they've ever heard? But the Bible says they departed with fear. Now, what's that all about? Well, I, I thought, Pastor, that the angel had just said, do not be afraid. But now that they know that Jesus has risen and he's commissioned them to the disciples, now 
It says they departed with fear. What, what's going on? Now, it's true. They, they need not be paralyzed with fear like these guards. This, this, was, a, this was not fear of the sight of heaven in front of you. So what was it? Well, the scripture doesn't say, does it? But, but if we kind of step in their shoes, we can kind of make a theological guess. Look at what just has happened. They were really standing. Now, these, these ladies, remember, at the death of Christ, they, they observed from a distance... They hung around and they watched Christ die. And then they come to the tomb. And they approach the tomb and they are standing on the very brink, on the very edge of the greatest move of God on the earth. I believe that's what's going on. I mean, yeah, there's, there's so much joy. They can't contain themselves. They're running as hard as they can. They can't wait to share this message. But when you get that close to God's hand upon the earth, it will give you great pause. And they were the first ones. Maybe some of that fear was just being the first ones with news that most of the world will laugh at, most of the world will reject and deny. But it's the most amazing news ever heard. Having the gospel. Sometimes I don't, I think it doesn't settle in our hearts as it should. We have the gospel. When every other news has gone and disappeared into the trail of history, every other thing that we get so terrified about and every other thing that we get so excited about, one day will just trail off and disappear as vapor into history. But the gospel... The gospel will always remain. So they are running as hard as they can with fear and great joy. They're they're on their way to see the disciples and they run right into the Lord. Can you imagine this? They know that he's alive. They've seen the empty tomb. They've seen the angel. They've heard the report. They know that he's alive, but the scripture says, behold. (laughs) In other words, all of a sudden, unexpected, look at this. Now, they had just left a a shocking sight. They they had just left a shocking encounter, but this comes the, the most shocking of all. Jesus, the one they watched die and his body prepared and brought down from the cross and carried into the tomb and the stone rolled three days ago he's dead 
from a very cruel death, and yet here he is. And it's not an imagination. It's not a dream. It's not hallucination. They're not losing it. It's not a mental case. He speaks. Greetings. Greetings. I guess that was the way back in the day they used to say, hey, hey, y'all. Notice what they did. Notice their immediate response. This is so important. They didn't, they didn't run away. They clung to him. They worshipped him. I can't help but, but realize, we, we can't help but realize that's our first reaction when we see our risen Lord, our Savior. Either whether that be we leave this life and wake up in our spirit in glory or we see the Lord descend from heaven and go to meet him in the air. However it happens, we will cling to him and worship. Jesus is everything for his people. Now I know we talk a lot about when our, when our loved ones pass away, we, we talk a lot about how much they enjoy being in heaven because they're with their loved ones and they're reunited with the ones that they love and, you know, they're with mom and dad and they're with whoever has gone on before. We, we say that a lot, but let me tell you, that's nowhere near the top priority of anybody that enters into glory. That's, that's nowhere near the, the top of the list. Now, from this side of heaven, we, we think that is. We, we haven't encountered the risen Lord, but that side of heaven, Jesus is all the world to me. Notice the scriptures, you know, the scripture says, Paul says, to be absent from the body is to be present with your loved ones. No, to be absent from the body is to be with the Lord. To be with the Lord. They saw the risen Lord and they clung to him. Verse 10 tells us, Jesus' first words to the women, the same as from the angel, right? Do not be afraid, but these words are falling from the lips of the risen Lord himself. Do not be afraid. We live in a day of absolute fear and anxiety and panic and worry. It's everywhere. We're on all kinds of medications because we're all tore up and upset. It's outside of the church. It's inside of the church. Listen, we need to hang around Jesus more. Because when we're clinging to him and at his feet, he speaks the same words to our souls that he speaks to these women. Do not be afraid. If he can conquer death, he's got you. Don't be afraid. Do not fear. And then he says, just like the angel, right? Go and tell. I mean, this is, this is the message. Go and tell. Go and tell his disciples. Go and tell those believers that are hiding 
to come out from their hiding and, and get to Galilee. And just like you see me now, they're going to see me there. Go and tell them. Continue on your way. But I just, I want to pause for just a few minutes because these, these next few words that Jesus chooses stopped me during my study this week. Notice what Jesus says, how he instructs these women. Do not be afraid. Go and tell. Here it is. Here it is. My brothers. Man, that stopped me this week. Remember, the last time Jesus saw these men, he saw their backs because they were running away from him. The last time he heard anything from these men, one of them were denying him. They had failed. They had faltered. They had scattered. And Jesus calls them my brothers. You see what the resurrection means? Forgiveness, restoration, renewal, new life, hope. I don't know if that strikes your heart like it does mine, but but some of you have wandered from the Lord. You're not where you used to be with the Lord. You're not, you're not where you should be with the Lord. And you need to hear this truth. So you, you've lost your passion. When, when, you, were first, when you first came to Christ, you, you, were, you were on fire for the Lord. You've lost your fire. You've lost your joy. You've lost your way. You've lost your purpose. It's a challenge to even get up and get your clothes on and get to church. And you dread Sunday morning. You don't even want to be here. If you will turn today to the risen Lord, he will welcome you with open arms as a brother or sister. You just got to come. Come to the Lord. And he says here, there they will see me. That was a promise. That was a promise. The command was, go to Galilee. The promise was, there you'll see me. And you and I, listen, believer, you and I have the same promise. Embrace Jesus as our treasure. Live this life for his glory. And we, too, will see him in his glory as Savior and Lord. Revelation 22. Let's pray. Father in heaven, in the next few moments, may your perfect will be accomplished in our lives for your glory. May we look upon the dying Savior on our behalf. May we look into the empty tomb. And may we look upon the risen Christ and find everything we need for now and forever in him. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. You have been listening to the sermon ministry of Will Owens, pastor of Grassy Pond Baptist Church, Gaffley, South Carolina. Be sure to visit willowens.com to hear more sermons, read blogs, and learn more about the missions branch, P67 Missions. Again, thank you for listening to Will Owens.